Mark chapter 13. We're going to bounce back this evening in our study. We go through the book of Mark. We're now in the last days of the life of the Lord Jesus. He's answering a question at the beginning of the chapter. Tell us when shall these things be and what shall the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And then he begins to teach and preach on the tribulation and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to start in verse 33. The Bible says, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is, is a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the poor to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. What I say unto you, I send all. Watch the last days, the end times. Many have spent their entire ministry preaching on prophetical subjects. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but I do believe it is appropriate over the course of the year occasionally to speak, and especially as you study through a book like the book of Mark. But in this case, when Christ is asked about signs of the end times, he takes them through the events of the tribulation leading up to the second coming. Often when we speak of the second coming of the Lord, we're including a seven-year period that starts with the rapture, and then you have seven years of the tribulation and ends with his second coming a visible, physical return uh, to the earth where he establishes an earthly kingdom. Now, here's what the Bible says, that uh, no man knoweth the hour, verse 32, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Now, that's quite the incredible verse. When you consider the angels, their close proximity, they're in heaven to God, and to his throne, and they surround him and are with him, and yet they do not know. And even for the Lord Jesus Christ, we do believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around the Trinity, how to explain the Trinity, but especially a verse like this that speaks of the fact that the Son chooses not to know, but leaves that up to God. But men have foolishly, attempted to predict the dates. Now, we speak of Jehovah Witnesses and other groups that have repeatedly uh, failed in their attempt to predict the date. And the Jehovah Witnesses are one of the few with the only perfect record of repeatedly failing in their attempt to put a date on the return. But we know that would be foolish. And anybody Baptist. Uh, recently, I remember my youth, Jack Van Impe, the televangelist, uh, that predicted on several occasions. And obviously, those predictions will be wrong because God has made it very clear. There's no man with that kind of knowledge that can properly predict the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember I went to Bible college in 88, and the book of the year was 88 reasons why the Lord was coming back in 88. Wisnut was his name, but we called him Wisnut. Because you're a nut if you try to predict. And then what's crazy, people bought the book and believed his prediction. 
And when he was wrong, he wrote a follow-up, 89 Reasons Why the Lord is Coming in 89. Now, if you bought that book, shame on you twice. And a brain transplant will not be sufficient to correct your lack of intelligence. But God wants to make it very clear that no man else knows the hour. Here's what he says. If you look repeatedly, there's a key word. And we talked last week about take ye heed and then what we're supposed to do. He's giving us commands what to do leading up to his return. And the command found in these last verses is the word watch. Verse 33, take ye heed, watch and pray. Verse 37, what I say unto you, I say unto all, what? Watch. Now, most are watching the wrong things. They're watching Fox, watching CNN. That's not what we're supposed to be watching to know about his return. It's not watching the IMF or the G20. It's not watching the Illuminati. God is not sitting in heaven saying, okay, guys, you got to die on the Illuminati because that's going to give me a clue of when I'm supposed to make all this happen. The rapture is not dependent upon how the Illuminati is illuminating. <laughs> Whatever the case, it has nothing to do with the timing of the rapture. And some are looking at natural disasters. Uh, others are looking at the Pope. I, in my youth, now things have changed and people as they look at prophecy and understand some of their prophetical predictions were wrong. They begin to change the tenor <laughs> of what they were saying. But all the attention used to be on the Pope. Did you know heaven's attention is not on the Pope? Rapture has nothing to do with what the Pope is doing or deciding. Amen? And God has a plan. It'll unfold exactly as he has planned. Now, if you want to look for a sign instead of looking for the IMF, the Pope, or some natural disaster, why don't you look at uh, verse 12, 13, 14, 10, there's so many signs. Verse 10 says the gospel must first be published among all nations, saying that until the gospel is published. We understand during the tribulation, God has two witnesses that uh, come back are miraculously protected for three and a half years. Otherwise, the world would kill them. The Antichrist would kill them. And they travel around the world preaching the gospel. And when they're slain there in the streets of Jerusalem... God sends an angel to move around the earth and preach the gospel. God, in his grace and mercy, why doesn't God just shut down the gospel and say, you've rejected me so many times, why should I even give you another chance? That's the mercy and the grace of God that's extended all men. But whatever the case, here's what we need to do. We need to stop watching all the wrong things and focus on the right things. And if you set up a watchman... Okay, what's the first thing you want them to watch? Themselves. That's the very first thing. You say, why does someone need to watch themselves? Because at night, you're tempted to fall asleep. You're tempted to let down your guard. You're tempted to close your eyes. You're tempted to, if you go for weeks without seeing any danger, you're tempted to let down your guard. The first thing you need to do is watch yourself. You know what the problem is? 
We have Christians in this day and age saying we're nearing the end times. And instead of watching themselves and what they're doing spiritually and what is taking place in their lives, they're watching the news. Mm-hmm. And they can tell you every bit of negative news that's taking place around the world and what Biden's done, what Biden has not done, and what Trump did and what Trump wanted to do. And guess what? Uh, the national politics of the United States of America determine nothing about the rapture. God determines the rapture. And you need to watch yourself. Verse 34. The Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his what? His work. And commanded the porter to watch. So in his physical absence, now I know the debate and some of you thankfully are not in those circles. You haven't been to Bible college or... uh, around these pastors, everything's up for debate. And one of the things, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, is there a difference? What does that mean? And here's what people ought to be focused on. The kingdom of heaven is, although God is not physically rolling upon the earth at the moment, we know this is the devil's domain. The kingdom of God, when spoken of in the New Testament, is Christ ruling in the hearts of men. And here's the problem. While we argue those things, Christ is not ruling in our hearts as he should be. When he rules during the millennium, it's with a rod of iron. There is demanded obedience, although there's a rebellion at the end of the millennium. But here's what we have in Christianity. People talking about uh, the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but he is not sitting on the throne. We've placed ourselves upon the throne of our hearts and our lives, and we dictate what happens on a daily basis. We determine to what level he rules in our hearts, in our homes, and in our marriages, and in our lives. I don't want to lose you tonight. But what if we just determined to watch that he stayed on the throne of our lives? And watchfulness means thoughtfulness and carefulness and preparedness and prayerfulness and saying, I need to take a, a look at my own life and make sure that I'm keeping a watchful eye waiting for his return. Watchful because what? Keep your finger here, but go with me to Matthew 26. We'll be bouncing back and forth from Mark 13 to Matthew 24 and 26. So you want to keep your finger both those books of the Bible. Matthew 26, verse 40. The Bible says, he cometh unto the disciples, this is Christ in the garden. He's with Peter, James, and John. He findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, what? You not watch with me one hour, watch and pray that what? Ye enter not into temptation. Well, you know why we need to watch ourselves? So that we don't enter into temptation. Now, let me just remind you, tonight, I don't want to get sidetracked because these are texts that will get you sidetracked in a million different ways. Temptation and entering into temptation are two very different things. You can't live your life without temptation. How many understand? And, and there's more every day. Whether it's a cell phone, it's a computer, life, dress, trips, travel, this world is full of temptations. And it, your flesh will provide you temptations. This world will provide you temptations. Satan will provide you temptations. That doesn't mean you have to enter into temptations. He said we're supposed to watch and pray that you enter not into 
temptation. You say, okay, some of you look at me funny. So we're about winning souls and see people saved. So tonight, 1130, I get a phone call from a lady that says, working two jobs, steward is here at the airport, just flown to town, and uh, would like to know more about the God of the Bible, my apartment, 12 o'clock. Could you meet me? Why are you guys looking at me funny? Gospel opportunity, right? Okay, that's ridiculous. It, it's a simple example, but you, your mind's big enough to understand. There's no wisdom in that. that. That would be put yourself in a bad spot. Okay? There are normal temptations you can't avoid in life, but entering into temptation is a failure to watch and pray. Now, we're going to see in a moment that the disciples... They enter into temptation because of their failure in the garden here to watch and pray. But here's what we're seeing. When he says, last days are coming, you need to watch and pray. You need to be on guard. Christians are willfully entering into temptation. Now, go, go back with Matthew chapter 24. Let's see the end times. One of the examples that's used in Matthew that's not used in Mark. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. But it's the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were what? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving to marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. You know what the last day looked like? People just living for this life. Now, if the world does that, that's to be expected. But if the Christian lives that way, it's a failure to watch. Church, I mean to tell you, this is not unusual for Christianity in 2022. Every church member, you know what he's doing? Eating and drinking and working and sleeping and playing. And we've heard about the second coming. We've heard about the rapture. We've heard about all those things. Obviously, it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It may happen in two years, five years, eight years down the road. But for now, let's eat, drink, and play. We spend more on eating, drinking, and playing than any generation in the history of mankind. We are a generation that parallels the generation in Noah's day. And Noah, the preacher of righteousness, stands up and says, uh, there's a coming of flood, there's coming destruction, you need to get in the ark, and the people say, yeah, whatever, Noah, whatever, yeah, whatever. You don't even have that boat put together. It's not an issue, it won't be for a while. I don't believe you, but <coughs> if I did, your boat's not even done to climb into. Now, we understand the world, we understand this is speaking of the tribulation and his second coming, which Christians will be raptured out before the tribulation. At the second coming, he comes back and the unsaved will be raptured out and into hell and the saved will enter into the kingdom. We, we understand those things, but there's a principle here that in application that needs to be made and the Lord is helping the disciples make it, which is it's going to parallel the days of Noah and we're thinking, okay, the days of Noah, violence, Sexual deviance, homosexuality, every sin under the sun from adultery to lying to theft, whatever. But when Christ, okay, there's no, not a single word of scripture written by accident. 
Isn't it strange that Christ highlights what is taking place? And he says, did you get that? Eating, drinking, and marrying. You know what Christians are doing? They're just living their life, eating, drinking, marrying, working, and playing as if they had another generation or two to go before the Lord's return and they're failing to watch. And this is why Christians are entering into temptation. Uh, They didn't watch themselves. They're not watching their homes. They're not watching their marriages. They're not watching their walk with God. And we're watching Christians get picked apart one at a time. Look what it says, Matthew 26, verse 31. Because the disciples were not doing what he had just commanded them to do. To watch and pray. Isn't it amazing how any sermon and application is always for someone else, which is in a much more needy spot than I. Paul, I'm so thankful that person heard that tonight. I'm so thankful they're here. Oh, it's a shame they're not here because they could have really used that. God never sent you in a service to apply a message to someone else's life, not one time. Holy Spirit will only work with you, for you, on you. Look what it says, Matthew 26, 31. Then say Jesus unto them, All you should be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I'll smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock should be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I'll go before you in Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Oh, oh boy, though all men should be offended because of thee. Ha! Never, never, ever. I hate to use the word never, ever, but never, ever. Be offended. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said to him, Though I should die with thee, oh Lord, I wanted to become a martyr, but I offended? You got to be kidding me. I'll not deny thee. And likewise also said all the disciples. And what happened that night? <laughs> they all did exactly what Christ said they would do and became offended. Why? The failure to watch and pray. They're sleeping in the garden, but there's, there's not that saturation of a biblical philosophy that says, if you don't watch yourself, you're going to fall prey. You're going to fall. You're going to enter into temptation. And here's what I'm watching, Christians, is not that Satan is so victorious. It's that we are willfully Christians, pastors, teachers, members, Young people, teenagers, parents, wives, husbands, open the door and enter into temptation. Willfully choose to put themselves in a place. It's not this difficult. You, the world knows this. If you are married, you should not have any kind of close relationship with a person of the opposite sex. Amen. No matter what the justification, no matter what the circumstance, it just shouldn't happen. You're, you're entering into, so whatever label you're putting onto that, whatever excuse because of the circumstances, the necessary relationship, you have willfully chosen, it's not going to end up well. You have willfully chosen to enter into temptation. We've got serious problems because we're failing to watch and pray, and Christ is the danger of that is if you don't watch yourself 
and we're pointing our finger. Pastor, you know what they're saying at the G20? Do you know what they're saying about digital currency? Do you know what they're saying about our religious liberties? Pastor, you know what you're saying? Uh, hey, watch your marriage. Uh, no, Pastor. No, you've got to understand, the IMF is not going to bail us out this time. The currency is going to be totally devalued. You're going to lose everything in your bank account. Would you pay attention to Wells Fargo? How about if you pay attention to your teenage son? How about if you pay attention to your relationship with your wife? How about if you pay attention to your walk with God? No, but pastor, did you understand what President Biden did this month and what they're trying to do before the new Congress takes place? Pastor, you're going to blow a blood vessel. Better calm down. Better take a chill pill. But more than that, you better watch your own home. Amen. Amen. Watch and pray, and that starts with watching yourself. Because I promise you, you've got more problems than the IMF. Look at it says in Matthew 26, verse 58. Peter willfully entered the temptation. Peter followed Christ afar off. You know what you just did? You put yourself in a place of temptation. You know, we talk about social distancing during COVID, six feet, masks, and everything. You know what? Uh, none of that bothered me. I, I know. I, didn't, I never had COVID. I'm more nervous about the spiritual distancing. Amen. And when you watch people begin to go more distant in their fellowship with other Christians, more isolated, I used to hang around and get around other Christians and eat with other Christians and fellowship with other Christians and hang around after church, maybe even show up a little bit early occasionally. We're not watching ourselves. We're not keeping a thumb on our own spiritual temperature. And the next thing you know, we find ourselves in a bad spiritual spot and we've plunged into temptation. That, I believe, is what Christ is talking about Peter. When you're that far off, you're hanging around the wrong crowd, you're in a really terrible spiritual spot. Now, here's what we know. We're supposed to be watching for the devourer, right? So if you have a port on the wall, what is he supposed to be watching for? Now, he needs to make sure he's awake. He needs to make sure he's alert. He needs to make sure he's aware. But he's watching for the enemy. He's got to watch. There's possibility of danger from all directions. When we're talking about Satan, right? The thief, John 10, 10, he comes to do what? Steal, kill. Okay, that's a bad dude. If you know someone's showing up to your house with three, three things in mind, stealing, killing, destroying, okay, you're going to lock the doors, you're going to pull out the guns, you're going to call the right backups, you're going to make sure you are physically, mentally, emotionally prepared to defend yourself and your loved ones. Now, that's Satan. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, pastor's got to use personal examples. If you're disturbed by this, I don't even care. <laughs> so I'm not going to apologize. I like to hunt. And... I like to use a big gun. The older I get, the more poor my eyesight is, and the bigger and the better the scope is. But at the end of the day, if anything's within 300 yards, I know when I pull the trigger, it's going to set. Usually it's going to flop, lay down. But here's what I've noticed, honey. Deer are very aware. They got their ears up. I mean, the slightest movement. When When you're out there, you don't move, you don't breathe. They're looking around, your ears go up. Now, here's what happens. If they drop their guard, all I need them to do 
is walk over position and drop your guard. And you know what usually gets them to drop their guard? You know what Satan does? He says, I know how to get them to drop their guard. And as soon as that deer, now listen, that deer is, I've shot six-year-old deer. I've shot, you know what a seven-year-old deer means? It means people have shot and missed. It stayed hidden. It's been a very smart animal, very aware, very watchful for seven. In Texas, that's hard to do. Because if you don't die of lead poisoning with as many hunters as we have in Texas, you don't become roadkill. It's a miracle. So if you catch a seven to eight-year-old deer, you know what happened? He's gone all of his life, and at one moment, he's tempted to drop his guard. He senses. Now, here's what happens before they drop that. They've already sensed danger. But at some point, he says, this is more important. Young people, I'm just going to throw this out. Okay? Very discreetly. Deer that never drop their guard, always stay invisible. When looking for a mate, drop their guard. Boom! And all the other deer looked around and saying, Johnny, it's not nap time. Run with us, Johnny. <laughs> the noise was loud, Johnny. And Johnny sits down and says, indigestion. I've got a heartburn. Don't leave me, guys. Don't run fast. I'm struggling to stand. Don't, I don't need you to look disturbed tonight. <laughs> I'm walking you through a hunting trip tonight and some of you look perturbed. But there's a spiritual lesson here. Do you understand that Satan is more ruthless than a hunter? And he's got his scope on you and he's got a precision rifle and all he's saying is just drop your guard. Just don't watch. Just don't pay attention to what's happening in your home. Just ignore, just overlook Listen, fathers, that problem is not getting better because you ignore it. That sin is not going away because you don't want to address it. Your marriage is not going to get better because you don't want to invest in it. And if you don't watch, Satan's gun is going to go off. And someone in that house is going to fall. You, this is not debatable. After 30 years of ministry, I could literally sit you down and take you through Satan's picture book and trophy album and show you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos of Christians that once were stronger and firmer and more committed than you that dropped their guard. That's why he says, watch. And I'm telling you, we're watching the wrong things because we're not watching ourselves. We're not looking for the devourer. I don't know how many times I've been hunting in the most astute of all animals. We'll have that moment. Now, look what it says, Matthew 26, verse 40. What is watching? And he coming unto the disciples, he findeth them asleep. He saith unto Peter, what could ye not watch? Now, what are they doing? What are they supposed to be doing with the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 38, Terry here and watch with me. What are they doing? Praying. 
Do you see that the words prayer and watch are used interchangeably? When he says watch, he is saying pray. So here's what Christ is telling them to do. Leading up to those end times, you better watch, which means you better watch and pray. First Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober. Watch unto prayer. Colossians 4, 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, if you look in the Bible, those words are used connected and interchangeably. You know what Christians are doing less and less of in 2022? Oh, we're singing more. We have more programs and more activities and more sporting events and more entertainment and more things for the family. And if you do anything under the sun, normally you can draw some kind of crowd in every kind of congregation. But if you ask them to pray... You know, pastors find out they're normally by themselves. Well, you'll find two or three that'll gather in his name, sit down and say, well, the Bible says if there's two or three, he's gathered here in our midst. You know why you've got to quote that verse? Because it's hard to gather 35 or 45 or 55. How many believe we're nearing the end? Now, if you don't believe that, I need you to take this eye, this hand off this eye, this hand off this eye, and turn your brain on. Because we are nearing the end. Here's the Bible command. Watch and pray. If there's ever a time that you pray with your kids, you pray with your family, you pray in your personal life. I, I'm so thankful for this church and what everyone does collectively for the souls of men. But this weekend, I've, I can't tell you how burned I was for Frank and for his soul. And Friday night and Saturday talking to, uh, to Raul and Brother Sam. Uh, Doyle, I hadn't seen Doyle yet. I said, I want Doyle over there today. I'll get over there at some point or meet up with Frank tomorrow. Uh, last night, uh, the normal moments of the night when you can't sleep, uh, I'm thinking about Frank. God, what? What can we do to help years of getting him the gospel? What can we do to help him understand? Holy Spirit, we're begging you to work and bring him to a point of conviction where he truly gets born. I'm concerned about his soul. I'm concerned about his eternal destiny. Church, why aren't we living heavy-hearted? for the souls of men, for our families, for our homes, our ministries, our marriages. And here's what happened. The disciples thought they had it together. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, pray with me for an hour. They can't do it. They fall asleep. He comes back after waking them up. Pray with me for an hour. They've fallen asleep. And we see this pattern of carelessness that results in prayerlessness. And then what happens? The biggest fall of their spiritual lives, which leads them to abandon Christ at the moment of crucifixion and leads Peter to deny Christ three times. What's that based on? The failure to watch in the connection of watch and pray. Now look what it says in, let's go back to 
Keep your finger in Matthew 24 and we'll go to Mark 13. Read two verses and be finished. Watch. Let's read our text again, going back to verse 33. Take ye heed, watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is, for the Son of Man is a man taking a far journey. Left his house, he gave authority to his servants, to every man his work. Commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye, are you noticing the pattern of the command? Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or the cock crowing or in the morning. Look what it says. Lest coming what? Suddenly he finds you sleeping. What I say unto you, I send you all. Watch. Now go with me to Matthew 24, verse 43. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. I'm going to give you two examples. We'll be done. When I went to Bible college, I just turned 17 at that time in Oklahoma City, depressed economy, just suffering the oil boom. It was hard for men with experience to find jobs, but most people wouldn't hire someone unless they're 18. At 17, work was difficult to come by. I started working double shifts, but night shift, I finally found a security job. But when you're going to college full-time and trying to pull two different jobs, you're not sleeping much. Well, security, night, Things can take care of themselves. And I was in an apartment complex one night and everything was quiet. I made my round. Nothing was happening. Walked into the laundry room. I was wiped out. I couldn't keep my head up. I couldn't keep my eyes open. And I laid on top of those washing machines and rested my head. Oh, no. Where <laughs> Deposit those quarters. And I fell asleep. Now, I don't know how long I've been asleep, but boys and girls... I went into a deep sleep. I don't mean I dozed. I mean, I went out, lights out. I was getting needed rest. When suddenly, now I'd worked there for three months. My boss had never checked on me. Suddenly I heard, hey, hey. And I jumped up, thought, what in the world's going on? Somebody trying to break into the laundry room, midnight. <laughs> trying to fumble around, check my clock, figure out what's going on. Someone banging on the door. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this crazy nut banging on the door. And I finally got the courage to open the door. And it was my boss with his light. Uh-oh. He said, Thompson, yes, sir. What were you doing? I said, checking out the laundry room, sir. He said, you got a mark on the side of your face that looked like someone could deposit a quarter right there below your eyeball. Now, you know what happened? 
I got tired. And I felt a while. Now he had mercy. He could have fired me on the spot. I think in the back of my mind, I was hoping he'd fire me on the spot. Last year, we had some problems in our church in Pachuca. I normally go there a couple times a year. At that time, I hadn't been there for a long period of time, but they were going through some problems. And I had people that were texting me and emailing me. And Pastor Rue, the man that I put in charge, had said, Pastor, we could really use you down here right now. We could really use some help. If you'd come down, just your presence dealing with an issue would solve, just your presence would probably solve 90% of the problem. Would you consider coming down? At the time, I didn't think I could pull it off. The schedule was too full. So I kept telling them, I probably won't be able to come until December. This was in June, I believe, June or July, June. And I truly didn't think I could come, so I was letting them know it most likely not be possible. Well, Pastor, he would help us out as a church if you came sooner to deal with this issue. Well, I got to talking to Mark about it and... Mark said, I got some points. Why don't we go this weekend? I said, you know what? Why don't we go this weekend? He said, you going to make a phone call? I said, no. We're going to make a surprise visit. You know what we did? We flew to Mexico, and on Sunday morning, first verse of the song, pastor walked in the back doors. Asked Mark what the response was. Why is he here? Maybe we know why he's here. Why would he come today? We could have been prepped had you made a phone call. We didn't want you prepped. We wanted you surprised. Now, church, you know what? Regrettably, his return is going to catch a lot of Christians by surprise because eating, drinking, sleeping, living their lives with very little thought. Let me ask you this. How much would change if you woke up every day saying this could be my last day because he could come back? The rapture could happen today. Are you prepared? What is out of order in your life, in your home? What is it that you'd be shamed by if you were caught today? Young people, you ought to wake up every day and say, I want to live today as if it were my last on this earth, as if today the rapture were going to happen. Now, we'll switch gears tonight. There's no way in a room this size, everyone in here is born again. No way. No possible way. Not this many people. Impossible. You know what that means? If the rapture were to happen tonight, if it were to happen right now, can you imagine those left in these pews with purses and Bibles and clothes and glasses and shoes and the lights on and no key to the front door. And those that, on a Sunday night, we're not talking about Sunday morning, we're talking about Sunday night. Those left behind would be left behind simply because they lied to themselves. They lied to themselves about their soul. They lied to themselves about the timing of their decision. Their pride allowed them to linger in a lie. And I can imagine, which means, well, pastor, it wouldn't be a problem because then I would, get saved. Uh, you know you're going through the tribulation at that point. You miss the rapture, you get seven years of tribulation to look forward to. Read Matthew 24 and Mark 13, our text. Trouble, he says in this chapter, like the world's never seen. Affliction and tribulation like this world has never experienced before. Seven years. But here's the bigger problem. 
if you miss salvation before the tribulation, the Bible would make us all believe that God says there will be a lie and a strong delusion so strong that those that have rejected the truth will not turn to the truth, but turn further from the truth and believe the lie. So, if the trumpet were to sound today, are you truly watchful? Are you watching yourself? Are you watching for the devourer? Are you watching for his return? Or would he catch you stumbling and bumbling around, unprepared? Or worse yet, unsaved? 